Welcome into another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner. Alongside, as always, Swamp 247 staff writer Graham Hall. And Graham, uh, we have another game to preview. Florida set to take on number 20, Kentucky, in the Swamp on Saturday night. Game set to start at 7 p.m. Uh, we're recording this on Friday morning, so just a short ways away from Florida's second game of the season. It will enter play ranked number 12 after taking on down then number 7, Utah. In its season opener in the Swamp, shocking 29-26 victory, uh, electric win. And now we're trying to see uh, what the deal is with this Florida team. I think we saw a lot of good stuff last week. Uh, as Billy Napier has said on several occasions, there was, uh, there was some good, there was very little elite, and there was a lot that needed to be cleaned up. Uh, and our first opportunity to really see if they're doing that is going to come against a team that is favored uh, favored in, in, in the polls, people like uh, this Kentucky team. You and I have questions, though, uh, and we're going to break that down. Uh, I should be clear, uh, as opposed to being, you know, uh, not understandable with my words. F Kentucky is not the favorite in this game. Florida is favored, but I am saying that people view Kentucky favorably. Graham, uh, give us the uh, the overview. We're going to break down this team. We're going to start with its offense. Uh, they bring in a, a quarterback in Will Levis, who is experienced, who is talented. Billy Napier said he's one of the best in the country. Uh, I want to know from you about this offensive unit, the things that they do, the players to look out for uh, as we get ready for this game between Florida and the Wildcats. Yeah, you mentioned it, Jacob. It starts with Will Levis. This is a guy that many people, in a similar way to Anthony Richardson, are already predicting that he's going to be a first-round NFL quarterback. They saw him last year as he progressed. You kind of got a trial-by-fire sense of this guy after he transferred in from Penn State. And last year with, with Liam Cohen as his offensive coordinator, I thought he looked really, really good. They established the run first and foremost, and that really has opened up things for Will Levis. But there are certainly a lot of questions about the weapons around him um, and his protection as well, I might add. If you looked at that, um, you know, if you saw how he performed in the Miami game, he faced pressure consistently, was sacked four times. Really a guy who was able to use his legs last year at times um, was a detriment to Kentucky's run game um, was, was tagged for negative 18 yards. And, and while that includes the sacks, it also includes a trio of runs in that game. And that's going to be, I think a consistent issue for Kentucky throughout the early portions of the season, how that they are going to run the ball and not have a one dimensional offense that relies on Levis to make things happen through the air. They are missing Chris Rodriguez, the SEC's best rusher, who was suspended for kind of an unconfirmed. We really don't know the main reason that he was suspended, although he did have the DUI offseason arrest that contributed in part to the first game of that. But there is another issue here, which is why he remains suspended for Florida's game, or Kentucky's game against Florida on Saturday. Excuse me. I think that that guy is absolutely one of the best rushers in the country. but. Uh, you know, Kentucky certainly has backups. Um, Juton, you know, that, that's a guy that was going to, he was expected to play a considerable amount. Um, now it looks like he is not going to play in that game. And, and then they had another running back who rushed twice and before exiting twice for 10 yards there. And, and now is dealing with a torn a ACL. So they're missing three running backs right now in that room. And I, I think that that absolutely is something to watch right now. Their ability to establish the run because they only got 68 rushing yards before you take out those sacks against the Miami Redhawks. So that certainly is an issue. And then I mentioned the four sacks against Will Levis. You know, that is a guy who 
faced consistent pressure, like I said, against Miami. And now he's going to go up against and, and a little bit, um, you know, depleted in a sense now that it's it's been a game in the books. But he's going to face a Florida pass rush that I think did a really good job getting to the quarterback, but not bringing the quarterback down against number then number seven ranked Utah. And that is something I think a point is a point of contention within the Florida building heading into this week. So how well Kentucky's offensive line fares against this Florida defensive line, the, their front seven, I think is absolutely a point of interest coming into this game because it looks like right now Florida may have an advantage there. And one more thing here, let's talk about the passing game. The transfer portal giveth, the transfer portal taketh, as everyone knows. Kentucky had Wandale Robinson. Um, he was fantastic. And now they've replaced him with another Robinson there in Tavion Robinson, the former Virginia Tech standout who led the NCAA in punt return yards last season as well. He is their main punt returner, and he also is their starting wide receiver. You saw him go over 100 yards in his debut with the Wildcats. I mean, he did so in the first half. This is a guy that you absolutely have to account for because especially with how one-dimensional their offense looks coming into this game, you can't let Robinson go out there and, and face single coverage and, and make stuff happen in the open field. I, I think that that is absolutely something that Florida's defense has to dial in on because that's an, uh, one of the few ways I think right now that Kentucky can beat teams. But uh, right now, from an offensive perspective, I think that you could easily make a case that this Kentucky offense is not nearly as impressive as the one that Florida just faced. Uh, quarterback, I think, is comparable. Give Cam Rising a whole lot of credit, but they don't have two monsters at tight end that are going to create mismatches against Florida's linebackers, and I think that that is absolutely something to watch. This is a Kentucky offense that is coming in a little bit more limited than they would like, uh, despite moving to more of a pass-first offensive system um, under Rich their uh, new offensive coordinator, their third in as many years. Yeah, this is a this is definitely a, a team that falls under the category, in my opinion, of pro-style offense. I think that you can make that uh, determination quite clearly. And it's going to make for a very interesting situation, in my opinion. Uh, you mentioned it. I think it's the story of the game. It's how does Kentucky establish a run game? We know how important that is. Uh, even if you aren't a run-first team, uh, that allows you to be successful in your play-action attempts. Uh, if anything, even the ability to have uh, the threat of a run game is super important based on your alignments. Uh, if you're allowed, if you're able to put guys on the field in an, in an alignment that allows the defense to think, wait a minute, we have to, we have to potentially fit for the run here. Uh, that is significant. Whereas if you have a decent or even good defense uh, that really doesn't have to worry about the run game and can defend pass uh, or knows it can defend pass, that makes it very difficult for you to advance the ball. Uh, and, and I think that that should be something to watch for in this game is how does Kentucky uh, establish itself on the ground in a way that will allow it to be successful through the air? That is where the run game will matter for these Wildcats. Uh, how can Will Levis potentially circumnavigate not having a reliable run game in this one uh, and, and use other, uh, you know, whether it's, it's, it's run replacements, whether they're running screens uh, or short passes uh, you know, to kind of supplement what would have been a run game. And that creates that variance for them. I'm very curious to see how they're going to try and keep Florida's defense off beat uh, and basically create a situation where the deception uh, is such that Florida is kept guessing to some degree. Uh, that brings me to my next question, which is how you feel 
Florida's defense matches up against this offense. Obviously, uh, there are questions about whether or not Kentucky will be able to establish a run game and what kind of benefit that could have for the Gator defensive side of the ball. Uh, what other things does this Gator defense either match up well against? Uh, what areas do you think there are questions? I certainly have one, uh, but I will let you go first. What, what are some of the things that you'll be looking for as it pertains to the direct matchup between Florida's defense and this Kentucky offense. Yeah, I think that absolutely Florida is going to have the advantage in the first two levels right there. I think that Florida's front seven right now going up against this Kentucky offensive line um, facing this pro style attack, as you mentioned, I think that Florida really does have an advantage there. I think they'll have a chance to get to the quarterback with a three-man rush and really provide themselves with a, a few security blankets there in the second and third levels in terms of coverage. I, I'm kind of with you in a sense. I think that the Florida secondary is going to be tested by Kentucky. This is maybe one of going to be the toughest tests that they face all season long, even though they know that this is a team that's going to be looking to pass a significant amount of the time. I think that what Will Levis does extremely well, looking defenders off, using his eyes, um, not zeroing in on his throws, going through his progressions. I, I think he's a very intelligent quarterback. He, he has all the physical attributes you would like. And I think that that can make things very difficult for Florida's secondary in this game. I, I think that when you had a performance out of the safeties that you just saw, where Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance, I, I think that, yeah, they played well. I think Torrance played a little bit better than Dean did. But when you're talking about a guy in Trey Dean who, who does excel getting into the box and, and trying to be in on stuffing the run, you do open yourselves up for getting beat downfield. And that, that was certainly, I think, a tendency at times for Florida in the secondary, giving up a lot of big plays. And this is a big play offense. They can, they can gouge you at any moment. And if you make a mistake, if you overcommit, Will Levis certainly has the arm strength to beat you. And I think that that is an area of concern right now. But with, with Florida's advantages in the, the first two levels there and in the front seven against this Kentucky offensive line, I absolutely think that the Gators have a chance to pressure Levis, force him into some bad throws. You saw that happen against Miami when he was facing pressure. He threw an interception that he, he said was completely on him. I said this last week, but Florida has to get takeaways on the defensive end. It, it can't just come on the final play of the game that diving interception by Amari Bernie, if they can turn some of these stout defensive plays that we saw against the Utes into some takeaways here against this offense, I really think that Florida has a significant chance of winning the game. And obviously that comes down to the statistics with takeaways and, and everything we've mentioned throughout the preseason. But that is, I think, going to be an onus in this game, knowing how one dimensional this Kentucky team could be. If you can, if you can find a way to score early on the offensive end and force Kentucky to abandon the run game in, in any way, I think that gives you a really good shot, as does getting uh, takeaways here, because it certainly has advantage on defense. Yeah, certainly. I, for me, this comes down to one uh, position group. Well, it doesn't it doesn't come down to it, obviously, but but the thing that I will be focused on most uh, as far as it goes with, with Florida's defense, uh, I will be focused pretty much directly on their middle linebackers. I am curious, uh, in a game like this, I think that they have an opportunity to have a potentially game outcome determining impact on this contest. Uh, as we said, this could be a very weak rushing attack for Kentucky, given the suspensions and absences uh, for whatever reasons. 
They're missing a whole bunch of key guys that would otherwise allow them to potentially advance the ball on the ground. Uh, there are concerns about how effective Kentucky's offensive line is uh, when it comes to protecting their quarterback, when it comes to paving the way on the ground, especially for guys, uh, like I just said, who are not necessarily skilled or as skilled of a runner uh, as that top group of backs who are going to be missing or potentially missing for this game. Uh, and so wh why am I focused on those linebackers? Well, first of all, I think that they will have uh, an easier time perhaps than usual being able to recognize what type of play is coming. I don't think that Kentucky is going to be able to disguise its play call uh, as well as it would be able to if it had all of its best offensive weapons at its disposal. Uh, and I think that that will, A, play a factor. B, I am curious to see how Florida's tight end, uh, excuse me, how Florida's linebackers respond to Kentucky's tight ends after what we saw last week. Uh, Brant Keithy had his way. He was able to do whatever he wanted. Uh, Utah tight ends finished that contest with 136 of Utah's 216 passing yards or receiving yards, excuse me. Uh, and this week, it's not as much of a concern. Let me, let me just be clear. The tight end play uh, is not nearly as good with the University of Kentucky. But that being said, they still do like to use them. Brendan Bates uh, scored a touchdown last week on his only reception. He caught it for six yards uh, against Miami, Ohio. Uh, this is a six foot five, 264-pound tight end. Uh, he is solid. Last year, he caught 11 passes for 70 yards. So the, 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 the production is not nearly close to what Florida saw last week with Utah's tight ends. But I am curious to see how they respond in terms of just the uh, the cleanliness of their play when it comes to coverage of their bigger players. I will also say uh, an in interesting wrinkle is Kentucky does like to utilize a fullback. Uh, and so that is somebody who is listed as a fullback slash tight end officially on their roster. Uh, he is also a pass catcher. This is a guy that is active out of the backfield. How does Florida defend against it? Is this somebody that uh, we could see Brenton Cox potentially get uh, locked in with a man assignment off of that jack position, uh, having to lock in against the fullback and cover him? So uh, I will be very curious to see how Florida's linebackers, obviously the rest of the defense, uh, will have a job to do as well. But, but that unit in particular, after its performance last week, uh, has my attention. Let's move over to the other side of the ball uh, for Kentucky. Let's talk defense. Uh, this is a, a unit that there are some mixed reviews on uh, going into this game. I think even going into the season, you could say the same. Uh, Graham, give us your opinion of Kentucky's defense. Who are their standout players and schematically, what can we expect in this game? Yeah, this is a team where not to be you know down on them too much, but I, I get the sense that their defensive line is very middle of the pack right now for the SEC. They it's not one of the strengths of the unit. Yeah, they can they can create pressure, but they absolutely, uh, you know, there is some work to be done. I'll say that. With that said, I think that you look at these Kentucky linebackers and you get the sense that this is maybe the best linebacker trio in the entire SEC. And that is certainly something to watch against this Florida offense. You know, I think that, uh, you know, look at look at J.J. Weaver at outside linebacker, very, very talented guy knows what he's doing, one of the leaders on the team. And then you look to, at two of the other guys next to him, the inside linebackers there. Those are their most impressive statistical guys from last season. They finished second and third on the team in tackles. Jacquez Jones, that guy led the team in tackles last year, knows what he's doing. He's kind of like their Ventral Miller. Anytime he is out there, Kentucky's defense is going to play at a higher level. 
And then the guy next to him, DeAndre Square, he was third on the team in tackles, just a couple behind Jones last year. That guy knows what to do as well. They have a very, very sound trio of linebackers, and that has boosted the overall play of the defensive line and made up for some of their, I think, inadequacies, you could say, right now. And then just kind of what I mentioned in the first segment about the transfer portal. I mean, anytime you can go out and bring in SEC caliber guys from the SEC, I mean, you know, bring in guys with starting experience who've played four plus years and have them come here and finish their career. I mean, that is absolutely a huge bonus. I mean, you have a chance to do that right now. Um, you know, Florida has the chance to do that every single year and Kentucky did just that. And I think they have benefited from, I think the stability of Mark Stoops's program. And so while there initially were some concerns about their secondary in spring camp, they identified some of those needs. They brought in some guys. And I think that, you know, this will be a real test for this unit to see what they have, because, you know, Miami, Ohio, for as good as they were, you know, they weren't really someone who was going to test Kentucky's secondary through the air. So right now, I think people are still getting an opinion of where that unit is at, because for so long, they didn't really have, I think, the adequate talent level. And, and now they have guys who have experience playing and are just kind of making the move to Lexington from places like Mississippi State, Mississippi. And now they're going to be playing their first SEC game when they have a lot of experience in the conference as well. So that is certainly something to watch right now, how those guys who have been recent additions to the roster this year fare coming into this game. Yeah, one guy I will uh... – add to what you just said, who I think ends up being particularly important in this game for Kentucky's defense, who is now uh, able to play, uh, is outside linebacker Jordan Wright reportedly uh, available for this contest. And that actually uh, shapes a lot of what I think about this Kentucky defense. Uh, this is a unit where we're going to see a lot of five defensive backs on the field, a lot of 3-3-5, three, three, uh, three guys with their hand in the dirt, three linebackers on the field, and five defensive backs. Uh, Kentucky at times likes to do this thing where it transitions into a 3-4 defense uh, where it will keep those three down linemen on the field and add a fourth linebacker. And Jordan Wright, uh, when he is on the field, is a very strong candidate to be a pass rusher in that four linebacker alignment. Uh, and, and Kentucky can be very potent uh, when it gets four linebackers on the field. As you mentioned, this is a talented group of linebackers who know how to make an impact on a game. Uh, and when you put four of them on the field, I will be very curious to watch uh, how Florida's offense navigates that. And I know that that's going to be a, like a soft transition to our next subject here, but let's talk about uh, Florida's offensive matchup against this defense. And I think the thing that I'll be looking for most is really two things. One, uh, how, again, does Florida establish its run game? We saw them do a phenomenal job of that last week with a combination of Anthony Richardson getting loose on design plays, Anthony Richardson getting loose on non-designed plays and making the unannounced play uh, with his legs, including that 45-yard touchdown run, uh, his longest play of the game. Uh, we saw Florida open things up with some of its running backs. Trevor Etienne had an explosive performance despite getting just a couple carries. Uh, Montreal Johnson looked really good uh, as Florida's leading back in terms of touches. He also scored a touchdown. And the team rushed for 287 yards. It's, it's tied for the most rushing yards against a Power 5 opponent since 2019 by Florida. But what does it look like when they are facing off against a team that has no hesitancy to put four linebackers on the field at a time and against a unit that does do a very good job of staying you know, strong on its keys, of, of being disciplined with its eyes, uh, solid tackling team? 
what does that do to a unit that is undoubtedly going to try and rely on its ability to run the ball? Uh, we saw Florida do that last week against a really good Utah team, and it worked out great. It allowed Florida to overcome some operational errors. It allowed Florida to overcome some penalty errors. Uh, there were a couple times where Florida had poor starting field position due to penalties on a kickoff return, uh, and it didn't really matter because the team was so versatile in what it was able to do that Utah's defense had no idea how to respond to it. And if you rewatch the game from last week, one of the things I think you'll notice is that Utah got to a point where it literally seemed as if it were guessing. That's how great the operation was, the cleanliness of the operation in Florida's run and play action game. It was just, it was near perfection. Anthony Richardson was selling handoff so well and was such a threat to go that Utah's linebackers had no idea how to respond. If Anthony Richardson wanted to run, it was a positive play. If Anthony Richardson wanted to hand the ball off, it was at least a yard. I, I believe off the top of my head, there were only four total run plays that failed to gain a yard or more in that game when Florida was on offense. And so my big question is, what does that look like against a very formidable linebacker group that is really the heartbeat of this defense? And we, we said the same thing about Utah, but again, as we've all discussed now, uh, there is something to be said about facing bigger, stronger, uh, you know, SEC caliber bodies. And that's something that even Kingsley Aguakin, Florida's starting center, pointed out to us when we spoke to him this week. He basically said, Utah is a fantastic team. That was a very difficult win. We were challenged the entire time. But this is just a different week in trying to establish what we know we need to do. And the reason for that is because we're facing bigger bodies who are, are playing in the SEC, and it makes it more challenging. And so uh, I will be very curious to see exactly what the run game looks like for Florida, and then subsequently how that spreads into its passing game. What does it allow it to do uh, based on its success running the ball? Uh, is Florida able to open things up through the air in play action? and target Ricky Pearsall? That's my biggest question. Uh, can Ricky Pearsall do it again? This will be his first time playing outside of the Pac-12, uh, if you will. Yes, he played for an SEC team last week, but remained basically uh, in the conference he just came from. So this will be a big test, I think, for Florida's offense in general, plus a couple of key uh, individual tests. Uh, let me get your take on it. Florida's offense, uh, how does it match up against this Kentucky defense? What are some of the things that you'll be looking for uh, I just went through my offensive keys of the game, but I'm curious for yours as well. Yeah, you were so thorough that I'm I'm going to echo just a little bit of what you said here and we'll move on. I mean, I think that absolutely you just nailed it. Florida has to continue to establish the run. They have to find ways to get creative in doing that. They have to get ways, you know, get creative in their ways of thinking, making the opposition think that they are running the ball and use Richardson's running ability to curl out and use his arm strength to their advantage. I think you saw a noticeable lack of you know big passing plays downfield passing attempts in that game against utah and, and that was i think because of what the defense was giving them certainly but when you just established that you are this threat to escape pressure in the backfield and you're comfortable using your legs and you've just rattled off a 45 yard touchdown run i think it's going to make a lot of guys stay home on this kentucky defense and that is when i think florida has a chance to take advantage of Richardson's arm strength and a guy like Ricky, who we know has the speed, the agility, the hands, you know, the full combination of things to become a deep threat for this Florida offense. I, I think that it just takes 
creating everything else and getting the defense to overcommit, and then you strike. I, I think that you will see that against Kentucky, but it does all start with being able to establish the run, very similar to what I just said about the Wildcats. If Florida cannot establish the run or this Kentucky front seven bottles them up and they have to, I think, rely on the passing game a little bit more than Billy Napier is comfortable doing, I, I think that that would be cause for concern right away. I mean, you have three guys and Richardson who just looked extremely good outside of a fumble, outside of a few plays. They looked extremely good against a, a top 10 team in Utah that was highly regarded for, you know, their, their front seven and, and what they could do um, at the first level of the defense. And I think that if you go against this Kentucky defensive line and then, a, you know, struggle to establish the run, that would be cause for concern. But if Florida can do that, I think that they have a chance of absolutely taking advantage of this Kentucky defense. And, and I think the formula is very similar to what it was against Utah. Hurry up offense, try and move quickly, try and disguise what you're attempting to do, and then take advantage of the physical attributes of your starting quarterback. And, and really, I know that kind of sounds simple in a sense, but if you stick to that, that philosophy, I think that Florida comes out okay here because they certainly just showed that they could do it against a team that coming into the season was ranked higher than Kentucky for good reason. You know, coming off of a 10-win season, having just lost to Utah by three points, and everything that Utah just returned, I think easily could make an argument that the Utes were in a better place coming into the season opener than Kentucky is right now. They are missing several pieces, not, not really on their defense, but several pieces on their offense that just could cause it, you know, if they get into a shootout, with Florida, where it favors the Gators here. Uh, absolutely. And I will uh, give you the floor for one final uh, Kentucky preview portion of our podcast. Let's talk special teams. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it off to you, and then we will move into our new favorite segment, Select the SEC. Uh, Graham, just give us the quick overview. What, what should people look for uh, from this Kentucky special teams unit? Any standouts? Who might we see uh, in the return game? Yeah, I'm glad you went right to return. Punter and kicker, very solid there for the for the Wildcats. I don't think that really should be a surprise for anyone watching, you know, the prowess of the SEC and what you can do in the transfer portal. If you don't have a good kicker or punter, you go out there and get one. Florida did that last year when they brought in Jace Chrisman. That certainly is the situation. For Kentucky, they used the transfer portal to add the top punt returner in the nation, as I mentioned here in the first segment. Tavion Robinson, fantastic guy. Um, especially in multiple aspects of the game. One of the top slot receivers, in my opinion, in the nation. I know that Ricky Pearsall maybe would, would have an argument for that as well, but you're talking about a guy in Robinson that is just extremely solid, um, has a little bit more size than Juan Dale did, and that I think makes him a little bit more of a deep threat and a guy who can just kind of use his body a little bit better um, and get physical. Uh, when he is contesting defensive backs for, for the ball. I, I think that absolutely taking him out of the game, focusing on him is going to be of high importance to Florida in the passing game, but also in the return game. You can't let this guy get the open field in front of him, just knowing what he can do from not just the threat to score standpoint, but from a field position standpoint. You want to minimize the opportunities for Kentucky to start with favorable field position. And if that happens, I think he'll be a huge credit to that. You know that Florida has a really good punter in Jeremy Crawshaw. It's going to take a concerted effort from Crawshaw to kick not just away 
from Robinson at times, but also make sure that he is kicking with enough, you know, verticality, let's call it that, to make sure that he doesn't have the ability to return the ball before Florida's gunners can get down there and either cause a fair catch or make a tackle. So I think that that is absolutely something that Florida has to watch for. It is not really something that they have at their disposal for as good as some of those guys are in punt return, Xavier Henderson, and you could even see Trevor Etienne make his way back there pretty soon, knowing he's already listed on the depth chart. Right now, Kentucky has the proven punt returner, and it's something that Florida has to be cognizant of. Well, there you heard it. Uh, that is our preview of the University of Kentucky before it takes on the Florida Gators this Saturday in Gainesville, 7 p.m. expected start time uh, in a ranked matchup between the Gators and the Wildcats. Uh, Gators obviously trying to, uh, to to get a win back after losing last year's contest. The, the series of the last four years is split 2-2, but if you go on before that, uh, Florida has a history of dominance, 31 straight wins before losing two in the last four years. And Graham, without further ado, uh, I think it's time for us to move on to our new favorite segment, Select the SEC. Uh, Graham and I will go back and forth, making our picks straight up and against the spread for every game on the SEC slate. Whether or not an SEC school is playing another or not, it does not matter. Uh, and last week, Graham, was an interesting week for the two of us. For those of you wondering, we are keeping score uh, to see how we do in each of those categories. Uh, one thing, though, that I will uh, disclose. So last week I said on the podcast that we would be having uh, a whole staff competition between myself, Graham, Blake Alderman, and intern Carson Cashin. Uh, we have had to make a business decision. It will only be a two-man race uh, between Graham and I. Uh, the schedule got a little too busy last week, and I failed to ask everybody else. So it is my fault that Blake and Carson are not participating in this. But, uh, Graham, you and I are still going. It, our record so far. Uh, straight up, we're doing great. Uh, we are both 13-2 and two through one week. Of course, if you're wondering how there are 15 games, uh, Vanderbilt took on Hawaii in week one. Against the spread, however, not so pretty. Uh, you lead the way. At the moment, you are a game ahead at four and seven uh, overall. I am in second place of two. I am in last uh, with a three and eight record against the spread. So uh, both of us obviously need to uh, need to do a little bit better here this week. And we'll jump right in. Alabama, number one team in the country, taking on Texas. Uh, it's a noon game. It's a big game. Uh, a lot of talent on the field. Alabama is a 20-point favorite. Where are you headed to kick off your week? I'm going with Alabama to win and to cover that game. I think that for as great as Steve Sark is, I mean, give him a whole lot of credit. He's familiar with you know Alabama as well. But I'm seeing this as a very similar situation to Oregon, Georgia, where a former assistant now goes and leads that team and then they realize how much work has to be done at the program and that the previous place they were at is so ahead right now that they are just going to stop them right now. I think that that is absolutely the case with Alabama and Texas. So I'm going for them to win straight up and, and cover. I'm torn. I'm torn, Graham, especially after such a poor performance last week. I, for some reason, feel like Texas might be able to cover this game, uh, but I'm not going to bet against Bama until they prove otherwise. So for that reason alone, I'm going to go Bama win and Bama cover. Again, 20-point spread. Uh, and one more thing, if you are wondering where we are getting these spreads, if you want to follow along with us and participate yourself, 
very simple, ESPN. Uh, head on over to their app. Uh, go to the college football games of the week. You can go down to SEC. Uh, and on the right-hand side, you should see every single spread uh, that is uh, is listed. If, if an SEC team is taking on an FCS opponent, though, there is no listed spread, uh, and we will pick it just straight up. There is uh, an example of that this week. Uh, but first, we will move down to Arkansas, South Carolina. Arkansas is the number 16 team in the country. Uh, I know you are very high on the Razorbacks. They're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over the Gamecocks. Who are you going with, Graham? I love this quarterback matchup, Jacob. I think that absolutely this quarterback matchup between KJ Jefferson and Spencer Rattler is just incredibly intriguing. Um, I'm going to give it to KJ though. You know, even though I thought Spencer has looked really good, not even just at, at him working through the faults at Oklahoma, but also in that first showing there. So I'm going to go with Arkansas and I do think that they cover. Uh, you know what? I'm going to keep it simple. I think the, uh, the pigs do it. Uh, they do it well this week. I'm going to go Arkansas win and cover the eight and a half point spread against South Carolina. Uh, number 23, Wake Forest is taking a trip to the SEC, taking on Vanderbilt. Wake Forest, a 12 and a half point favorite. Graham, uh, are you betting against the 2 and 0 Vanderbilt team here? What, what's the move? Oh, man. I, you know, that is so difficult. And as we saw in that Vanderbilt Hawaii game, I'm never really one who's going to go out there and say Vanderbilt's going to stomp anyone, even though I really am of the belief that, you know, the SEC is a better level of competition than anywhere else. But I'm going to go, to, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Vanderbilt wins and covers the spread. Wow. Vanderbilt with a ranked win, uh, according to Graham Hall. That is a major upset. I am feeling very confident that this is going to be an area that I get to make up some ground. I'm going to go with the exact opposite. I think Wake Forest... Uh, at number 23, uh, should be frankly ashamed of itself if it loses this game uh, and doesn't cover. So I'm going to go Wake Forest win and cover. Of course, just to be clear, uh, if Vanderbilt loses the game but but covers that spread, Graham does get uh, a win in that category. Let's keep chugging down the list, though. Missouri going to Kansas State. Kansas State is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Who you got? Oof. Kansas is a seven and a half point favorite. Van, yes, Kansas State is a seven State. and a half point favorite. Wow! Yeah. Did I say oh. Kansas? No, I don't. I think you did. I, I think I misheard you. I, again, I wow. I'm going to go with Missouri to win that game straight up, and um, obviously, I think they'll cover. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Kansas State to win, and I think Missouri keeps it to a touchdown or less. Uh, so Kansas State with a close dub, Missouri uh, is going to cover it. Uh, we move down the list. This is a fun one. Uh, Appalachian State taking on number six, Texas A&M. Uh, Aggies are the home team and a 19-point favorite. We saw uh, Appalachian State put together a real good one first week scored a whole bunch of points uh definitely think that they lose this game but do you think that they uh can keep it within 19 Oof, that's tough i i don't know if they keep it within 19 i'm gonna again go with the sec here i think for as impressive as you know that that rally performance was by appalachian state i mean what they scored 40 points in the fourth quarter i can't think of the last time that i saw that uh, i mean that is incredible in my mind, whether they can do that 
for four quarters against a top 10 SEC team. I'm not so, so certain of that. I'm going to go with Texas A&M winning and covering that 19-point spread. Part of me wants to just pick to pick Texas A&M to win it and not cover the 19. After the, after the high-scoring performance last week, I don't want to look like a fool. Uh, but better judgment tells me not to do that. And, and being that I am 3-8 and eight, uh, overall, I'm going to ignore what better judgment is telling me to do. Uh, and I'm going to pick Texas A&M to win the game and not cover the 19-point spread. They scored just 31 points last week. They scored 31 points last week uh, in a game I thought that they would just run away with. Uh, that didn't feel as dominant an offensive scoring output as I think I would have liked to have seen. Uh, and they're playing a team that that did really well offensively. So um, I don't know. Here we go. Let's see. Let's find out if Texas A&M is able to cover that 19 points. Uh, I'm in a position to take in some more L's if, if they don't. So uh, I feel fine about my selection. This is a great game here. Uh, number 24, Tennessee, taking on number 17, Pitt. Uh, I'm slightly surprised to see that Tennessee is a six-point favorite uh, for this game. Uh, nationally televised broadcast on ABC at 3.30 Eastern. Uh, Graham, who are you going with here? Volunteers <laughs> again, six-point favorites against Pitt. I know that you and I are going to be trying to watch bits and pieces of that one as we're getting ready for Florida's game, just knowing how much interest there is in Tennessee. I still haven't got this Tennessee team figured out. Yeah, I, you know, I picked them not to cover against what? Ball State, I think. A couple last week. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be fooled again. I do think that Hendon Hooker and this Tennessee offense is one of the better ones in the SEC. I still have questions about their defense. I know they gave up what 350 yards in that game. Um, I'm going to go with Tennessee to win, but I think it's going to be closer than six. So I don't think they cover. Okay, so a Tennessee win, no cover. I'm sticking with Narduzzi, Pat Narduzzi. I like you. Week two uh, against these volunteers. I think number 17, Pitt, uh, proves why it is the higher-ranked team. I'm giving them the dub, which means, obviously, they cover. Uh, this is a game that I don't even think we we necessarily need to pick. Uh, Georgia taking on Samford. Georgia's number two team in the nation. There is no line for this game, so I will just add, uh, for those of you who are keeping track here, this will only count against our straight-up records. Uh, we're both picking Georgia. I'm not even going to give you an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, Florida-Kentucky is the next listed game on ESPN, uh, as we will always do. Florida's game will go last in select the SEC. We'll give our score predictions, and with that, we skip to number 22, Ole Miss, taking on Central Arkansas at home. Uh, you're only picking straight up here, Graham. Who is the winner of this game? A real tough one. Fighting Lane Kiffins, baby. And I will uh, I will agree with Graham there. Uh, okay, let's see who's next. We got San Jose State headed to Auburn. Auburn, a 24-point favorite. Who's winning? Who's covering? What you got? Auburn, a 24-point favorite, huh? I am going to go with Auburn winning, but I am picking the Aztecs to cover that spread. I don't think they're going to get beat by 20 plus, uh, not against the uh, middling Brian Harsons, as I'll call him now. I'm going to go with San Diego state to cover that spread, even though uh, Auburn continues the sec's dominance. I'm sticking with you. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Auburn win, no cover. Uh, 
this might be an interesting this might be an interesting matchup with no line this is a, just a straight up pick uh lsu hosting southern uh what you got are, are we are we picking an fcs upset here southern by 50 no i awesome man. i'm that would be awesome but hey Southern scored 86 points in their season opener. They just played, LSU just played a team in FSU that I do not think is very good. I know a lot of people think Jordan Travis is a good quarterback. I'm not in that camp. I'm not in that camp. I'm going to go with LSU winning. What was the spread again? I'm sorry. There's no spread. No spread. spread. All right. I'm going to go with LSU winning. But, man, that is going to be an incredible game. I would love to be there. Last time I was in at an LSU game, Southern was having their homecoming game about eight miles down the road, and you could not drive anywhere. Both stadiums were absolutely packed, and you know I know Southern fans are going to show out and make it a game, even though they can't keep up with uh, the Brian Kellys. All right. Well, uh, I don't have anything to add. I don't think LSU is going to lose this game, and if they do, uh, we got to start having some some conversations about Brian we'll pile Kelly. on we'll pile yeah. on next week we can start to have some conversation tune in if lsu uh can't beat southern uh because i think graham and i will have a very interesting conversation this is the last game before we pick uh florida kentucky uh mississippi state is headed over to tucson where they're going to take over the university of arizona out of the pac-12 uh u of a looking much improved when it's season opener mississippi state did the same uh mississippi state a 10 and a half point favorite i should add uh, Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach is more than familiar uh, with this Pac-12 foe after years of coaching at Washington State. So does that give him an, an, up, a, an upper hand? Who knows? Uh, who do you have winning this one? I'm going to go with Mississippi State winning and covering. I think they win by two touchdowns out there um, and continue that SEC dominance. Oh, boy. We're gonna we're gonna do something crazy. I'm gonna say that Mississippi State wins this one, but I think it's close. Uh, we're gonna go with U of A to cover that ten and a half point spread. I'll end up regretting that. Uh, that was probably a poor decision, but that's okay. I, you know what? <laughs> you only you only live once. Uh, so Mississippi State to win and not to cover. And now Graham, it's the time that uh, brought me much ire from the Florida fan base last week when I picked Utah to beat the Gators, and I was wrong. I've eaten my crow already for that, though, so I don't feel bad uh, anymore. But uh, Florida taking on the Wildcats. The Gators will enter play if it sticks at a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, according to whatever ESPN is listing for that matchup. Both teams 1-0. Kentucky ranked 20th. Gators ranked 12th, it's a 7 p.m. matchup. It will be on ESPN. Graham, uh, the floor is yours. Give us a score prediction with a quick reason as to why you are going with your pick. Yeah, I'm going to go with Florida winning 27-17 to against Kentucky. I do think that Florida manages to win by – it could be more than that in my mind. I think that they win this game uh, pretty handedly. I, I think that we talked about it. Uh, very well there in the first segment, how one-dimensional Kentucky is right now. I mean, if this this would be a different story in my mind if they were fully healthy in the backfield and their offensive line had put on a more promising showing in that opener. I would be sitting here, I think, a little bit more hesitant about Florida's chances to, to win that game. But I, I do think you need to point out that even last year, 
Kentucky wasn't thoroughly impressive against the Gators. You could make an argument that that Florida kind of handed that game away in a sense there. And I'm just not totally sold by Kentucky. But before I I move on, I got to say, this is why you play the games. Because during talking season, throughout the year, everyone was talking about how this Kentucky team was full of NFL prospects, was going to, you know, beat Florida again for the third time in five years. And I think that right now, after what Florida did against Utah and with what Kentucky did against Miami, Ohio, giving up 13 points to that team, getting sacked four times, that you absolutely can make a case right now that Florida is riding a little bit more momentum and is healthier right now, which when we had seen Billy Napier talk about depth concerns and this and that throughout the offseason – you wouldn't have got that perspective if you had been just listening to solely what the coaches said and what we've said. If they hadn't played those 60 minutes of football right now, I think a lot of people would be picking the Wildcats right now. But what Florida just did against the Utes has me thinking that this is a double-digit win. Uh, I think I agree with you for a lot of the same reasons. I will still outline it, though. First of all, I have Florida winning this game 31-20, to 20, so an 11-point margin uh, for the Gators to win. Uh, And it's real simple, in my opinion. I think that Florida showed such dominance on the ground last week with its ability to run the ball effectively with three different running backs. Uh, Anthony Richardson is just spectacular. Uh, His ability to feel pressure, his ability to avoid getting taken down by a tackler, uh, to create the unannounced play uh, is just, it's it's special. Uh, You can can tell when you watch him, it doesn't take long. Uh, And I don't know that Kentucky has an answer for it. I don't know that they're going to be able to really slow down what it is that Anthony Richardson is offering. Uh, One thing that Kentucky has not seen out of this Florida team, even in recent matchups, is a full go, uh, uninterrupted Anthony Richardson, who still rushed five times for 25 yards off the top of my head uh, against Kentucky last year. And so I'm serious to see, um, I'm serious to see, I'm curious to see uh, what Anthony Richardson can do Uh, when he doesn't have to share. Let the guy do his thing uh, and see if he can open it up. And then defensively, like you said, I think that I'm not terribly impressed by Kentucky's offense in general. Uh, You take away some of their key players, especially in the run game, and I'm really not convinced about it. Uh, And I just like Florida's defense more than I like Kentucky's offense. Uh, And so it seems as though I give uh, Florida the upper hand over the Wildcats uh, in just about every category. And I will add this. Uh, after I was wrong last week about Florida uh, beating number seven Utah, uh, I came to the realization that I think Florida might be a little bit better than I gave it some credit for in the preseason, especially if Anthony Richardson is going to play the way he played a week ago. Uh, and for that reason, I'm not doubting the Gators until they give me a reason to. So uh, right now I'm feeling pretty good about that pick, uh, and I will not be backing off of the Florida train until I feel like I got to cool down a little bit. I was really impressed. Uh, by their performance, especially, by the way, I should add, uh, in a week when Billy Napier was seemingly pretty unhappy with Florida's overall actual performance. Uh, To me, that is a reason for confidence. If you are a sports gambler or just trying to predict what's going to happen with Florida's season, if it cleans it up and it looks better than it did a week ago, uh, it could be a very promising season for the Gators. And that does it uh, for this episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. Graham and I went through the uh, the Kentucky team, what we think about them, how Florida matches up, obviously gave our picks for this week's SEC football schedule. Uh, and so we've got you covered here on the Swamp 247 podcast. 
but we have you covered in other areas and I would encourage you to check them out. Head on over to swamp247.com. We have so much written content uh, going up on a daily basis, both about Florida's football team, the one that exists on its campus, but the one that they're also trying to build. Uh, tons of recruiting content from the great Blake Alderman, as well as basketball recruiting content. If something, if that's something that interests you, uh, we are covering that too. Uh, and so, yeah, that'll do it for this episode uh, of the Swamp 247 podcast. We thank you all very much for listening. For Graham Hall, my name is Jacob Rudner, and we will see you after the Gators take on number 20 Kentucky in Gainesville on Saturday at 7 p.m. Game will be televised on ESPN. Make sure you keep it locked on our YouTube channel as well. We'll see you next time.